6.30 Chad Afternoons with Jalen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 6.30 Chad. What's your opinion on this? And I want to hear about what you're doing because I think every family is going to be different. I think there's a lot of parents out there that are very excited about this. Probably a lot of kids out there who are saying, yeah, okay, yeah, let's do this. But I know there's some parents out there as well that are like, no, I'm going to pump the brakes and wait and see. It is official. Health Canada has given the go-ahead to the Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine for kids 5 to 11. It's going to be a two-dose regimen and the shots will be about a third small than the ones given to adults. Preventing symptomatic COVID-19 in children aged 5 to 11 years with an estimated efficacy of 90.7%. That is the Chief Public Health Officer, Dr. Teresa Tam. She says that um, the National Advisory Committee on Immunization is recommending a dosing interval of at least eight weeks. Longer intervals result in a stronger, longer-lasting immune response and may lower the risk of myocarditis and pericarditis. 2.9 million doses of the Pfizer vaccine will be shipped to Canada to accommodate the change. Let's find out more with microbiologist, author, and host of the super awesome science show, Jason Tetro. Hey, Jason, welcome back. Hey, great to be joining you. All right, there's a number of people saying uh, that this marks a major milestone in Canada's fight against COVID-19 because it is the first COVID vaccine authorized for use in this age group. How important is this? Oh, it's incredibly important because we now know that the elimination threshold, in other words, in order for us to get rid of COVID at least for a long period of time, we need about 85% of the entire population vaccinated, not just eligible like we keep hearing about in press conferences here in Alberta. Mm-hmm. So in order for that to happen, we need that 10 to 12% of those kids who happen to be under the age of 12 to get vaccinated. And this is going to give us that chance. And so that is really why it's a monumental stage for us in this fight against COVID-19. But more importantly, Pfizer and, um, as you'll hear later on, Moderna, realize that the dosing that they've been doing for adults is not going to be the same for kids. Mm. So they've used that one-third of a concentration for Pfizer. It'll be half for Moderna. And what that's going to do is it's going to help the um, younger individual's immune system come up exactly to the same point as if it was an older individual with the um, higher dose vaccine. Jason, Health Canada authorized this two-dose regimen uh, to be administered three weeks apart. Uh, NACI, though, saying, uh, let's space it out a little bit longer. Let's increase it to at least eight weeks. Evidence showing that, you know, uh, that, that longer interval generates a more robust immune response. Would you agree with that? Yeah. So what's happened is that when Pfizer first put in their clinical trials for the original version, we called it the BNT162B2, they were doing it for a three-week interval. And in order for them to be able to rapidly get through the clinical trial or pre-trial process, all the regulatory and stuff, they stuck with the three weeks. However, the real-world data has shown us that a minimum of eight weeks, probably up to 12, is going to give you a much more robust, like stronger immune response, but it's also going to stick around for a lot longer. So instead of the five to six months like we were seeing in Israel, you might get nine to 12 months based on what we've been seeing in the 
the real world trials here in Canada. Yeah, I mean, hearing as well that that longer spacing might also help decrease or, you know, some of those risks that some are, are concerned about that mm -hmm. um, myocarditis uh, that has been talked about that has appeared occasionally in, in young adults. Uh, what do we know about potential side effects for kids 5 to 11? Yeah, so for the kids 5 to 11, you'll probably have a little bit more of a chance of a boo-boo on the arm, so it might hurt a little bit more and might get a bit more red, but that's really about it. In fact, for all the other things like fever, chills, uh, aches, pains, tiredness, fatigue, the actual numbers are about half of what you would have seen in the higher dose and the high, uh, older individuals. So that's all awesome. As for the more severe symptoms, mm. none were identified. And here's probably why. In order for those things to happen, you have to have an incredibly high inflammatory response. And there are molecules that we get in there like IP10 and stuff like that. But the fact is, is if you lower the dose to one third, you don't see those numbers of those particular molecules. So there's no way that you could actually reach the level of inflammation that you would end up having these. And this is one of the things that we may actually see down the road in the next three to four months is that children who are a bit older may end up getting the lower dose because of their immune systems being so fragile or whatever the case may be. So we may actually see the 10 microgram um, being used more often than the 30. Jason, I, I'm also wondering about the size of the testing, uh, the, the sampling that was done for um, uh, the trials on this for, for kids. Mm -hmm. I have read some that, you know, maybe that uh, some... <laughs> Are we going to see, because some of the side effects are so rare, mm -hmm. the sample size of the testing wasn't that big, so we might not see it in there. You know what I'm saying? Oh, no, exactly. I mean, you're talking about population-based versus clinical study-based, and that's yeah. absolutely true. So when we talk about population-based, we're talking about um, one in every, say, 10,000 or higher. And in this particular case, we didn't have 10,000 children in the particular study. But what's going to happen is that as we start to see this rollout occurring, and that should happen in as early as three weeks, mm -hmm. then what we're going to do is we're going to be monitoring it. And Pfizer actually is regulated by the government of Canada to watch every single dose to make sure that there are no safety signals, as they like to call them. I don't anticipate we're going to see many, if any, at all. Uh, you know, I think that, you know, on a, a number of levels, I mean, I, I, I have stated that I, I, I support uh, vaccines. I'm, I'm double vaccinated. I know that, uh, you know, there's some folks out there that are still uh, concerned about it. Maybe some parents who maybe are a little bit more concerned about making that decision for their kid at this point and, you know, to, to each their own on, on this one. What I see this, though, as is, is being allowed to get like the kids to, you know, stay in class and, and, and be able to get out there and, and do things. We won't be shutting things down like we have been and, and and maybe that's not going to happen because of the the number of vaccinated that are in this province in this country now but it will be good to get it higher one of the bigger ones for me though is the protection of possible transmission to older uh more vulnerable people in their life and and knowing that that can happen Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, do you remember the second wave? Yeah. Wave? Yeah, well, that was because of intergenerational spread. Because we had already figured out how to protect all the really vulnerable people. And we did a great job. And then we had May, and it got hot. Uh, this is 2020, by the way, not 2021. It got hot. And people started having parties. People started having get-togethers. And people started having family reunions. All of a sudden, intergenerational spread. Mm. But when we told people to stop doing that in August because we were starting to see the numbers rise, eh, nobody did it. Boom, second wave. So if you want wave five, 
if you're not going to follow the you know non-pharmaceutical interventions, I call them the ABCs, airway bubbles, and mm-hmm. knowing your contacts, then you're probably going to be helping along that fifth wave unless you get vaccinated. Where are we going to be a year from now with all of this, Jason? <laughs> <laughs> well, let, let's put it this way. Um, we, we keep seeing a little bit of improvements upon Delta, you know, the Delta Plus and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But it doesn't really look like it's having any major effect in terms of escaping um, the mRNA uh, vi- uh, vaccines that we currently have. So I'm figuring that within the next six months, probably by around, you know, the, the beginning of spring, we'll have a really good understanding. Because remember, if you look at the numbers right now, we're plateaued here in Alberta, mm-hmm. right? We're staying anywhere from three up to maybe 500 a day, but we're not really going anywhere from that. We've reached what we call equilibrium, okay? What we want to do is achieve elimination. Unfortunately, if we don't continue to follow with the ABCs along with increasing vaccination, we're going to head to another wave. So it really is up to us. And within a year from now, um, I don't anticipate that's going to change. So what we see happening between now and Christmas is basically what's going to continue happening time and time and time again until we have enough immunity in the population that we can actually eliminate this virus. And take a look at what's happening in parts of Europe right now. In Germany mm-hmm. and I think Austria, the numbers are, are really rising again there. Is that is that due to lack of vaccination or is there something more? And is that something that we need to be worried about? Yeah, so there is a lack of vaccination going on. So the unvaccinated do account for millions of individuals. But what's happening now, and I mean, believe it or not, this is happening here in Alberta as well. We're seeing what's called spillage. So those people who have been vaccinated or, you know, fully vaccinated, but they may not have um, the, uh, the same level of immunity that is necessary to beat Delta are getting exposed to high enough levels of Delta that they too are succumbing and becoming a case. Now, thankfully, that's not translating into hospitalizations or ICUs. But if we're going to continue doing that, then we're always going to see, the, you know, the number of cases being very high, just like we're seeing in Europe right now. Jason, appreciate your time this afternoon. Great to hear you fr- hear it from you. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. Take care. Take care. Jason Tetro joining us this afternoon. So the Premier uh, making comment on on this, and, and we're going to find out more about how the province will uh, unroll this or roll it out over the coming weeks. But one of the things he did say was that he would not be extending the vaccine exemption program to uh, children. You'll hear from him next.